Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today on the show, we have Alexander Guy, who is in charge of growth at Zerion. Alexander, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks so much, Texan. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, so let's just get started with your story, Alexander. What's your background, and how did you get into crypto and DeFi? Good question. I think that I imagine when you do these podcasts, you probably get a a wide variety of answers, but I wonder if recently, as more and more people have come into this space professionally, if you have more sort of like variance in, in, the, in the way this all starts out. For me, I very much have a Web2 growth and marketing background. So I've worked in a number of different industries, a number of different stages of, stage of startup, but mainly in the tech Web2 kind of space. Been in, in that for about 10 years. And I guess like a, about a year and a half, two years ago, right when the world was, uh, Coming to a standstill, I started getting into NFT game called SoRare. Having worked in like tech and and kind of been around the space for a while, I was like aware of crypto and Ethereum and and then Bitcoin and you know I even read read a little bit you know read a few books about them, but I'd never really I don't know I guess this is like super naive now, but like at the time I kind of viewed like crypto as a almost like a a subgenre of all these like cool tech startups that were coming out at the time. So like similar to, I don't know, maybe like AI or something like that. It was like sort of a, in my head at the time, like a kind of a catch-all term that that that, that sort of summed up a, a sub-genre of like the startup industry and space that I was in. But once I once I really started to, to get into SoRare, which if you don't know, it's a fantasy, fantasy football game where like you buy cards that are NFTs, they have different rarities presented in the game, but then you compete for for Ethereum and card prizes on a, on a weekly basis. And so like for me, this, I guess, was like a, a sort of a light bulb kind of moment, you know, on the cards themselves, you can see the, uh, the Etherscan address. And so I click on this Etherscan address, I start looking into this, a really great friend of mine works at Ledger. And given that he was a, you know, somebody who I could turn to and talk to a lot about this, yeah, I started talking to him about Ethereum and NFTs and just getting more and more excited about the space. And, you know, from there, at least for me, I think this is probably true for a lot of people, especially new entrants into this, relatively new entrance entrance into the space. Like like the NFT NFTs in general kind of acted as like a Trojan horse for me, where like I was super excited by this. I got started getting into some other discords like Gods Unchained and some of the some of the, uh, Forgotten Runes Wizard Cult and things like that. And so I started like really getting into NFTs and they were kind of like the route into, I guess, a more nuanced understanding, hopefully more nuanced understanding of, of, of crypto and, and the Ethereum ecosystem, which, which, you know, obviously is represented in DeFi. And then I, th- I think another um, question that, that people ask me a lot is about the transition from Web 2 to Web 3. Basically, once I had some some NFT assets and I started thinking, you know, in my collection, I guess, and I started, you know, buying Ethereum and, and participating in some of the the more well-known DeFi protocols like Aave and, 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 and Compound and like thinking about how to do like various yield farming techniques. Uh, I missed DeFi summer because I was sort of still lagging behind on the, uh, <laughs> on the whole like what's going on in DeFi space. But I started using Zerian, you know, pretty much once I had some assets that I needed to manage. And after that, I started um, sort of communicating with the team via the Discord. 
And then in sort of about this time last year, I saw that they were looking for a head of marketing and I just started interacting with the team on, on their Discord. And uh, yeah, here I am. So it started with NFTs, ended up with, uh, with DeFi, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, and you're right that I have seen and heard of a, a bunch of different backgrounds of people who come into this space. And I think that's just because this space caters to a lot of different types of people. Right. I mean, you've got your your TradFi finance people that come into the space. You've got your Web2 people who are more technologically savvy. And then you've got, you know, more from a economic and philosophical background, right? From just like a macro sense, you get those people coming in. And now with NFTs, just as you said, I feel like that's brought in a whole different type of person into this space. And I think that's just going to continue to grow. So I don't know. What, what do you think is the next type of person? that's going to get brought hmm. into this space? Well, first of all, it's a really good question. Like, I'm sort of fascinated by the fact that, that those that the diverse groups of people that you named are, are kind of like all motivated by some version of the same like philosophical point of view or, or maybe narrative, which is a lot about you know, taking back control, correcting the, the, the wrongs of Web2 in some ways and, and how user data and user personal information is exploited. You know, and I think that that kind of narrative fits very nicely into the, to a group of um, you know people who I think are are starting to really sense the potential with this space, and that's like creators of of any kind. I mean, music NFTs are still very much at like the 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 beginning, I guess. But you see, like artists, photographers, musicians, like I say, increasingly realizing that NFTs offer them a way to not only reap more actual financial benefit you know spotify has recently come under a lot of fire for for a number of reasons but uh the the obviously one of the ones i'm talking about is the, the actual model they have for paying their artists and nfts obviously offer an immediate solution to that to that problem for for musicians but i think you see a lot of creators basically finding the confidence and the I guess like the financial freedom through nfts and, and crypto to actually launch their careers which is fascinating to me and you don't need it's not like every Every NFT project needs to have some kind of thriving Discord with thousands of members or something like that. Like you see people just very humbly launching like a photography collection via mirror and all of a sudden having enough money to actually make a career as a photographer and start getting get start getting going really in that space. And so for me, I think creators are are certainly key demographic of people that are starting to grasp like the power of what we're all what we're all so excited by. I think probably very similarly, and this is not at all like a, a hot take. Like, I just think like we're still so early in the uh, like the gaming kind of sector, and like how gaming and the intersection of like NFTs, crypto, <laughs> digital assets in general interact within a you know game context. There's obviously so many different like permutations that a game can take. It could be a fancy fantasy sports game, like I was talking about with SoRare, or like a total immersive world like Decentraland. But I still think that like we're very, very early in that story. And like gamers are really primed like en masse to come into this space. At least that's how it feels to me. I think that's again, like I said, not exactly the hottest take in the world, but it but it seems really relevant to me. And I, I just like want to stress it because I see, feel like we're so early. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And we've seen a lot of pushback too from the gaming space related to NFTs. But I think that's I think those are also the same people who are just against microtransactions in a video game. And I, I totally understand that, right? Like the people who just want to have a video game just to play beginning to end without having to pay to 
you know, 100% a game or to complete a game. And I understand that. But yeah, there's definitely other types. You know, I think it just the blockchain space has a way to develop a completely different type of game where you can take ownership of assets, you know, and it's not necessarily infringing on the, the, the legacy games that are still great and fun, but that that's, (laughs) that can be a completely different conversation, but we are here to talk about, uh, Zerion. So, uh, you kind of touched on how you got to Zerion. So can you just tell us what is Zerion? And you're in, on the growth team, and just tell us what that role entails at Zerion as well. So I'm I'm head of growth at Zerion, and I guess like the easiest way to think about Zerion is actually to kind of tell a story of the company and the product itself. Zerion started very much as like a with a mission of sort of taking all these disparate and and very spread out areas of like DeFi and the Ethereum ecosystem and trying to create like one single place where you could manage and see all of your assets. So, you know, across multiple wallets, across multiple networks or protocols, um, basically the vision was to create one central, like, or like central is a tough word in this space, but that's really what it is. One place where you can view all of your assets and like see their performance over time. Basically the, the product is non-custodial. The first thing that happened was we wanted to create, or the founders wanted to create a place where like somebody could just come in, connect their crypto wallet, and like immediately get insights into their portfolio. So they they built a number of really interesting features that I think helped along those, you know, sort of like taking control or understanding what's happening across your crypto footprint. For example, a really like a real-time profit and loss graph that shows like your your portfolio over time, really detailed near real-time push notifications and like alerts slash history. That allow you to like really see like okay that that swap I did is like actually gone through oh yeah I received some airdrop that I didn't know about and that was kind of like the first stage I guess of Zerion and that was you know in in 2017 late 2017 2018 which obviously was a tough time for the market but quickly after that the team realized that what we needed to do actually like if you see you know, if you can see your portfolio you obviously want to trade and like do things with it. Um, you know, do things with these assets. So we added pretty like simple swap functionality to start, which now has become kind of like a a DEX aggregator of DEX aggregators. So right now you can execute swaps and, and trades via Zerion. And we've integrated with like some of the major DEXs out there, like OneInch, Uniswap, SushiSwap, Uniswap U3, ZeroX. Basically what we do when you execute a trade through Zerion We'll find through all those DEX partners, we'll find the cheapest trade, like the cheapest option for whatever trade you want to do, and then like give you the option to choose that that DEX. So basically, it, it, it ensures that you can get the cheapest trade at, a, at any given time. Obviously, if you have rewards, like, or you're whatever, a, a PSP holder and, or, or a, or a one-inch token holder, you know, you can choose whichever network, so you don't have to choose the cheapest one, but we'll default to that, you know, kind of at the start. And then, you know, okay, so trading's there. You've got your whole portfolio history and, and everything about your DeFi assets mainly. Basically, what we started then to think about was like how to incorporate NFTs into this story. And so recently, we've added a number of different bits of functionality to, to sort of position your NFTs just alongside your, you know, your DeFi assets and, and your crypto portfolio. So you, you, once you connect your wallet with Zerion, you can also now see your NFTs there as well. We have the ability to filter by like, floor price and lats price, so you can get an idea of like what your actual value of your um of your your NFTs are. 
you can see detailed attributes. We, we work with OpenSea and Rarible on their, their API side, the API side to make sure that you have all the attribute data there. And you can also send them to different wallets. And so like that was kind of the, I guess like the, the most recent phase of Zerian. But the big focus for us over the last, let's say, you know, two, three months really, it's probably longer than that, but certainly in the public perception, is we actually added support for six additional networks on as opposed to just Ethereum. Previously in, in Zerian's history, we only supported Ethereum assets, but now we support assets across a total of seven uh, networks, and that's soon going to go up to 10. So we're, we're really trying to increase the sort of the, the, the multi-chain functionality and the multi-chain use cases that you can experience with Zerian. I guess that's pretty clear about the, the product. What we do on the growth team, what I you know, am, am trying to lead on the growth team is we want to try to figure out, I guess, the best way to get the brand brand of Zerian out into the, the sort of into the space, particularly with a new crop of people, like a new addressable market that's been coming in over the last couple of years, is to be the sort of NFT crowd. I think within the, the, the DeFi, you know, DGen sort of space, we have a pretty solid brand awareness. But within these, a lot of these new, you know, new people into the space, we we sort of are like maybe not as as well known yet. And so we're focused very much on on driving brand awareness, um, kind of across that to to cover that cohort of users too. But we also are trying to figure out ways to build out true community and create value for the people that are already on the platform. We released our own NFT in July last year with the intent of trying to build out like a crop of loyal users. We basically run a number of experiments across basically any any marketing channel you can think of, any growth channel you can think of, including the product, uh, to try to drive engagement and um, you know really get help help users get the most out of Zerian. Yeah. So what and you touched on this a little bit, but what do you feel like is the the true target market for Zerion? Like, are y'all looking to onboard kind of the newer Web3 users or are you trying to focus more on, I guess, the DeFi, DGen, OG market? Mm. We're, we're available right now on mobile, desktop through the Mac, or, sorry, uh, web, mobile, uh, iOS and Android, and also on the macOS desktop. And a key focus of ours from the very beginning has been to like, sort of take like a very complicated, very, um, I don't know, difficult to understand world, which is like DeFi and crypto sometimes, and try to make it like as easy to use and understand as possible. And so undoubtedly, that USP, that experience that we deliver is is really great for new people to the space, but kind of like have this this funny requirement, I guess, in that like we can't get truly anybody new into the space right now because we don't have a, a wallet. So like to use Zerian, you have to connect your crypto wallet. So we already assume that somebody has intera- interacted with the environment a little bit, that somebody has 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 actually gone, you know, and, and developed some sort of idea about the types of assets and things they want to invest in, uh, you know, on their own. So like basically we're solving this one problem of having them, you know, be able to view it all in one place and then and then do great things afterwards. Quite soon, we're going to be able to look really at these, maybe not necessarily new, 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 never heard of crypto, never thought about it before in their in their life. Um, sometimes I like to talk about them as advanced beginners. So like they they know what gas is. They're aware of like why it's hard to track all this stuff. They've had the experience of, you know, sending sending money to the wrong address and then losing it forever because you didn't switch the right network. Um, you know, MetaMask. Like these are. These are like relatively advanced problems, but they still are probably early in their story. 
I'd say this advanced beginner crowd is probably like the easiest way to talk about it. Having said that, you know, we, we've really invested for a long time in sort of like a, how do I say, like almost like a motivational message for the team, especially recently of trying to be able to, to deliver like tracking and trading for any asset, any chain on any device. And like, this is clearly a message that, that experienced very, very, like maybe not DGENY people, but certainly people who've been in this space for a while, it resonates with them because a huge problem is like, oh, that asset isn't there. Or in MetaMask, I have to manually add it myself if it's not listed already, you know, and all these kinds of problems, you know, so, so I think that we probably are versatile enough to, to address a couple of different audiences, but I think for us, the focus of you know, really great, simple user experience naturally yields our, yields us to, um, you know, addressing maybe a less degeny, but but still sort of dipping their toe in type of user. I mean, that's not like a a, a, a user persona description that you're going to see in like many marketing or growth textbooks. I don't think, uh, but that's kind of how I like to think about it. Yeah, well, the Web3 crypto space is is a very different space. So I think that's probably why you wouldn't see that in your uh, traditional marketing growth textbooks. But do you think that y'all will have plans to integrate your own wallet as well in the future onto the platform? I will say, yeah, well, we figured out some teasers about it. It's definitely in the works for us. I can't weigh any deadlines or, or really any features, but we're definitely working on it. It's an important step for us, I think, because of the fact that what it allows us to do, as I mentioned, is like really target somebody who maybe maybe isn't, again, just starting out their crypto journey, but certainly to create an experience where someone can come right into Zerian, create their wallet, and immediately get started. It removes that requirement for us to, to target somebody who's like already, you know, I don't know, has a ledger or you know, is using Wallet Connect or something like that. Like We can like get around that now. And I think that's an important step for us. I also think it's an important thing like... In terms of what our overall mission is, you know, I, I don't think I said this at the time, but we, we kind of like to think about ourselves as like mission control for Web3. Like that's sort of like a, I don't know, maybe that sounds like really spinny, but basically what I mean is that we believe that like someone should be able to have everything within Web3, like within their fingertips if they're in Zerian. So like you should be able to look and explore different NFT collections. You should be able to then jump over and you know check out some of your favorite asset prices and how they're doing. You should be able to uh, watch wallets of um, you know famous or like you know relatively famous crypto people, and like you should be able to do all that stuff within a few clicks in a really easy to use interface. And so for us, you know, the wallet really allows that whole story and vision to be like kind of come full circle, I guess. And so like I, like I say, I can't give away any deadlines or um, you know on dates or Thing like that, my any developers on the call might uh, might kill me if I did, but uh, it's definitely something we're working on, and it's important to our our overall like strategy going forward. Yeah, and I feel like being a wallet or a wallet user interface for new entrants can also carry a lot of responsibility. And I'm just thinking about how many of those spam or malicious tokens that I've had sent to my wallet over the years, mm. especially, you know, in, in low gas fee environments like like Binance Smart Chain or, or Polygon. And I think, you know, this is where the Coinbase wallet falls short. And I think it's Coinbase mm. wallet is almost becoming a wallet that a lot of users are using first because it, Coinbase is a name that they that they know and understand. And I, sure, I think that's where sure. it falls short in the sense that it does just kind of show all of those tokens that could be 
fraudulent or malicious, right? I don't know. I, I'm just wondering, do you, is Zerion doing anything like to help protect new investors in the space from scams like that, like on the education side or I guess on the UI UX side as well? It's a great question. And, and again, a problem I think many people on this call, uh, you know, have, have experienced before. And so for us, like it's, it's a huge priority for like trust, like for our, our users to be able to trust what they see and trust what's happening. Like whether that's the, the, the history, the transaction history that I, that I mentioned earlier, or the, the, the tokens themselves that are listed there. Basically we, we introduced, I think it was early, like about a year ago, if I remember correctly, I'm, I'm a little soft on the, on the, the, the actual dates, but we, we introduced about a year ago, the notion of like the blue check mark for assets. And basically once an asset that you see in Zerion is listed in at least three token lists, it will be like verified by us. Basically that means that we can, we can sort of validate that this isn't some kind of rug pull. This is a legitimate project. And uh, you know, this is a token you can trust. So like that kind of started, I guess that whole journey towards making like, what people see in Zerian more trustworthy or like trustable rather. Recently, we've added a number of different ways to hide or like move the, you know, sort of like small balance, you know, tokens from your overall portfolio view. And this is again towards like trying to, you know, restrict, um, you know, re restrict the idea that somebody could like think there's a, like some kind of token there that actually is either fraudulent or there's some kind of scammy thing. And I think it's for us like a very important you know, priority going forward to continue to find ways to to make sure that users can remove them or report them. I don't know if we have anything added other than like on the the actual like not within the product itself or the UX, but we have a really active Discord group with some fantastic people on the support side. And when users report scammy tokens, we have a really great track record of like getting rid of them, doing everything we can to make sure that there's like that there's a way of communicating with our users that this potentially is da dangerous. And actually, we, you know, like many, many, um, I think DeFi projects out there, we have scams like people like creating fake token claim pages for Zerian. Or yesterday, actually, there was one that was like claim some Zerian NFT. And these are like really convincing pages. And so we've actually faced this ourselves. And we, we're always, we always try to be really great about communicating with people that this is not something that's coming from us. It's it's a really important thing for us overall. Uh, it's something that we, as I say, have experienced like kind of close to home, I guess, because people keep trying to create these ways to scam our users or or anybody interested in Zerian like out of their money, which is which is obviously terrible. I'd say that like we, as we go and build out the wallet and figure out what that's going to be and look like at Zerian, you know, the the idea of figuring out more and more ways to make sure we're protecting users is is pretty central to what we're doing. Yeah, I've noticed that in my personal experience too, that the one of the more difficult things when onboarding a new person into Web3 and crypto is, you know, telling them, hey, don't give out your private key to anybody or your word phrase. And if you're in a Discord, no one is ever going to DM you. Like no one ever wants to give you free money. So don't believe it. Yeah. Right. It's like my yeah. one of my friends saw that I was tweeting about this new NFT project and he was like, I wanna, I wanna do this. I want to be part of the mint. And I was like, okay, join the discord, you know, do all this, set up your wallet. And then, you know, he reached out to me. He goes, Hey, someone from the team reached out to me and they said for me to get on the whitelist, I have to send them my passphrase. And I was like, no, Oof. God, no, please don't do that. <laughs> don't. And I was like, stop. So yeah, yeah that's just, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the toughest things. I think that was just kind of a side note. 
Oh, but it's, it's so challenging, right? Because like they're, they're clearly, it's kind of like a, there's, so, there's clearly in this like industry so much that can be gained by being early, right? Like we're so early that sometimes I think pe- bad actors can like take advantage of that urgency. And because people are trying to make sure that they're early to something, because obviously that's how they're going to get the biggest benefit. You know, there's really like a, a, a sort of a toxic kind of, kind of combination of things going on there that can make it really hard to spot a, uh, a phony, you know, a phony setup or something. But I think that one of the, I should say that like one feature I can talk about with the wallet, cause it's related to this whole pass raise idea. So one of the things that I, I think is quite confusing, especially when you're just starting out in this space is like, okay, what is this thing? Why am I not supposed to, why am I not supposed to share it? Like, how do I make, how do I share it, but also not store it anywhere? There's a lot of like around the whole like creation of a, a crypto wallet. Like I think a lot of things that especially new, new people to the space are like really maybe not put off by, but certainly like a little bit intimidated by. And what we've been trying to build is on the mobile side is almost like a, a little bit of a, like an educational tutorial about like what this passphrase thing is, what it means, what you should and should not do with it. And so it's almost like a little dialogue while we're creating the wallet. I, I think I actually tweeted out not too long ago, a little preview of that sort of first phase happening. And basically what it does is it's like, you know, this is what, this is your, this is your passphrase. Um, you know, you shouldn't share it with anybody ever. You know, if, if you do, like you could lose all your money. There's like a lot of like language that tries to, as you say, educate people like to know how to handle this stuff. And the other thing we did, I think it might actually be getting like shortened a little bit, but what I had to do also was this idea of like making sure people actually write down their passphrase by like asking them to say like, okay, what was like the eighth number or the eighth word in your passphrase, you know, click it here. Um, what was the, what was the third word? Click it here. And if you don't like click the right one, it's like, Hey, go back and actually write this down because it seems like you didn't write it down. We may have shortened that process. I can't remember what the latest look, you know, in, and feel actually uh, how it actually functions, but we certainly have tried to build education around this, this concept into it. Because if we ever do start attracting and trying to address like really, really new entrants to the space, it's important that there's this educational layer. Because as you say, it's so easy to get, it's really easy to get scammed. Yeah. And some of the like the biggest, you know, anti-crypto, anti-Web3 people on Twitter that I follow and you should follow Uh, because it's good to get those differenting opinions. One of the things they always say that I agree with is they say no one wants to remember, you know, 12 to 24 words to get access to their money. And I'm just like, yeah, they're right. That's, that's, that's right. They're probably right. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so let's, let's kind of do some comparisons right now, just for people who aren't, sure. you know, that familiar with Zerion. Like, how would you compare Zerion to MetaMask? Like, wh- how, how do y'all differentiate yourselves from competitors like MetaMask or like the Argent wallet as well? On the MetaMask side, for us, the the mobile app and the mobile user experience is like a major. It's a it's a major differentiator for us. I guess we had the we were one of the first one of the first DeFi apps with a mobile app uh, with a mobile presence at all. Certainly one that's across multiple multiple app stores. And in general, the user experience that we have there is like I really think that we have an excellent excellent iOS engineer in particular, but our, our Android team is fantastic as well. And like what they've done is really tried to make this like a super super smooth, really pleasant place to be. And I think that like anybody who's used the MetaMask mobile app, there's a lot of great things about it. But but I think that the user experience side, the look and feel, like how it feels to be there, is pretty uh, pretty challenging. On the like web side, 
Like, I think, I think one of the most frustrating and sort of confusing things about <laughs> MetaMask is like when you're trying to do things across multiple chains and you're constantly having to like change networks or you try to execute a transaction and you forgot to change the network because you were on mainnet and now you're on optimism. And so like what Zirian, like basically we don't force you to change your network uh, when you're in the the, the, the the web app, you know, until you actually have to do something. So you can like browse, go around and everything like that all you want without changing network. And it's only when like you actually go to execute a transaction that you might need to change your, your network with us. And that's kind of like, I don't know, I, I'm mentioning a lot about user experience and usability, but that's like clearly a place that we're trying to differentiate. We think that that as new people get into the space, the level of the level of user experience that's going to be demanded is going to be higher because there'll be less tolerance for for sort of like a, a funky or confusing or just generally broken user experience. And so for us, that's like, I think a really big differentiator. Another one, like, First of all, you know, the the way that MetaMask prices their swaps is pretty aggressive, I think. And Zirian for 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 a while now has not charged on mainnet. Like we don't we don't charge any additional fees on top. This is something that we surveyed our users recently and um they they most people thought we were like taking some kind of additional fee for all this dex aggregation stuff I was talking about before. And we we don't actually take any fees on Ethereum mainnet. And so like I think that the fee piece is important because it obviously like when you're when you're already executing a transaction that costs however much it costs with gas to then ask users to pay like almost one percent you know of their transaction um, again it's like pretty pretty aggressive and I think it's an important place for us to like on the mainnet side we're not you know we're we're not we're not doing that kind of uh, exploitation I guess like the other thing that's really important to that I think is is very related to like what people are gonna in, increasingly look to do. Like, I don't think that in the future, people are going to care so much, like, which network they're using something on or they're doing something on. They're just going to want to do the cheapest, fastest thing possible. And I think with MetaMask, it's just still very hard to get a clear, like, complete view of, like, what my portfolio actually looks like. And Zirian allows you through multiple wallets. You can, you can have, like, sort of a wallet, like a whole portfolio view. So you can see, like, the total of your, your footprint across multiple wallets, like, in and networks, and it makes it very easy to like get an actual representation of what's going on. So I guess it's like user experience, pricing, and general like like exploitation, I think. And then you know also the the fact that it's just a little bit easier to get a clear view of what's going on. And I think like I guess should t- definitely talk about NFTs because I think that the way that we're approaching NFT collections and, and NFT like how people look at, use, manipulate, and and track their collections is like really important. Um, because like, I think, you know, when you use a lot of major wallets out there, it's, it's kind of hard to like really actually get a pleasant view of your, your NFTs. I think, I think Rainbow Wallet's done a decent job of this, but beyond that, the way that people look at and view their, their NFT collections is still pretty broken. And we've tried to invest a lot of time in in making that experience like a really enjoyable one. Yeah. And Alexander, you mentioned about, you know, not taking fees on top of the swap feature. So how does Zerion make money like how does zirion monetizing this platform currently it is through positive like slippage which i guess you could say is like slippage is how we're doing it currently and and i think that like that is relatively relatively limited in terms of the the amount that we're able to to collect from that so it's not exactly like you know making anybody uh uh, millionaires like the way that you see metamask and and others, you know, providing financial statements. But slippage has been the way that we've made money so far. Okay, and 
are there any plans maybe to create a, a fiat to crypto on ramp on Zerion? Mm. Because I think that that's just such a huge <clears throat> unlock for people just to, you know, not have to go through a centralized exchange and then send it to a wallet. Do you have any plans there? And, and where's point. that on the roadmap? So we have integrated and partnered with Ramp Network and MoonPay. And so you can already on ramp through through. Uh, I, I'm really a big fan of Ramp Network. I think they're great, and uh, the MoonPay team as well has, has really been fantastic with us. We currently work with with uh, Ramp and MoonPay. So if you're on um, the web app, you can just there's a little icon uh, in the top uh, top right corner of your screen. It says Buy Crypto, and uh, you have a couple of different options, and you pick the one which works for you, and and then you can go up to the races. In terms of building our own. On ramping, I don't think that's on the roadmap. I think that the the ramp team's doing a good enough job that we can probably and, and Moonpay are doing a good enough job that we can keep working with those uh, the, the those teams. But I totally agree with you that like especially for like a newer audience, like the fact that they don't have to like do all that hassle that, that is kind of uh, as I say like a little bit off putting for for someone who isn't familiar with the space is really important. And so like for us, like we, we've had that feature, I guess like as soon as we, I think about it, as soon as we added the like true swap functionality, we also were trying to figure out how to on-ramp into crypto via Zerian. So you can, you can do that right now. And it's, uh, I've actually done it a bunch of times, including when I was first getting started with the product. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you know this or not, but does MoonPay or our ramp network, do they allow for fiat to polygon directly? Because that was a big thing that Dharma had for a while. And then Dharma just kind of, you know, rug pulled everyone by getting acquired. I can't remember if ramp has polygon. They don't have polygon, but I, I don't know. I bet you they're working on it because it's exactly, you're totally right that the sort of absence now of Dharma in the space in the wake of the open sea acquisition kind of leaves a gap for, for that. I'm not sure about MoonPay. I, I wouldn't want to speak out of turn on, on, on MoonPay. Yeah, let's talk about NFTs a little more and just kind of thinking of NFTs more as financial assets or how they operate along, I guess, you know, crypto assets or DeFi in general. How is Zerion mm-hmm. viewing that? And do you, do you see like any potential or are there any protocols out there that you are looking at that could maybe allow someone to you know, use their NFT as collateral to take out a loan hmm. or I don't know, just it, just broadly in general, what are your thoughts there? I think Chris Dixon said this, that like crypto is math-backed currency. And I think that like a, actually a pretty great way to think about NFTs is to think about them as like community-backed currency. Because like there's clear, whether it's a game or just a, a profile picture project, you know, there's clear evidence that like the community sees legitimate value in these things, like, you know, pretty much across the board. And so like, we kind of look at them and like, I think it, anybody who's been a collector, like of, of anything really kind of sees NFTs along those same lines, I guess. And so for, for me, I think it's important. Like one of the reasons why we wanted to give someone a, a complete 360 view of their entire crypto footprint or like their web three footprint was like, I personally don't draw many lines between like the DeFi assets or the DeFi tokens that I buy and the you know the NFTs that are in my collection. In fact, like the the like gaming industry is a great example of how those things are often very very blended together. With like, I mean, I own like some some Decentraland tokens, and then like obviously I could buy Decentraland NFTs you know within the space as well, and then go and play the game on top and earn more mana. And so like. I think that like the 
was this belief when NFTs started emerging was that they were very, very different and distinct than like your DeFi portfolio, right? And I think that's one reason why it's been hard for for wallets or for um, you know portfolio trackers like uh, like us to sort of like display those things simultaneously. But I think that increasingly it's just becoming clear that people treat them as like one and the same, and like people want to have. I don't know, it's kind of the, it's kind of like the the real nature, the true nature of a of a crypto wallet, right? Like you want it to have everything. You want it to have, you know, your 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 SoRare card collection, you want it to have your, you know, your ENS domain, like you want it to have obviously all your your DeFi tokens and things like that. And you kind of just want to carry that around with you. And and I think that like the fact that NFTs have clearly emerged as a powerful financial force you know, it's now, of course, it seems obvious. I think there was this idea that they were like two separate spaces and the convergence of these over the last like, you know, year or so, I guess in particular has really been exciting to see. So like we've, we've sort of taken that approach in Zerians is to say like, you should be able to look at these things like pretty much within a few clicks of each other to get an idea of like how much, you know, you actually have, have held up or have locked into uh, the crypto space. In terms of like the collateral side of things, I think that those, I, I think that, that that kind of use case is only going to become more popular. We are, we aren't currently working with. I don't know. I, I should I shouldn't say that because our integrations our integrations team is pretty active about exploring different relationships with different protocols and stuff. But I just think like finding ways to actually like physically or maybe not physically but literally bring nft into sort of like the financial space, quote unquote, you know, of Web three is like just going to become more and more common. Because like you could see the value of these things, not just stabilizing, but often just like steadily growing in the same way that any asset or any token would. The fact that you can't use an MF or as a collateral is sort of crazy, right? Because it's an asset that clearly appreciates. And so I think that probably the hard thing right now is figuring out which projects and how much to value that, how to value them, like, I guess, over time. But it seems like such a such an obvious use case to me that that you know increasingly there will be people and companies and, and protocols trying to explore this this challenge. And even in the real world, you know, I I work at a traditional finance at a bank, and you know, we've definitely done loans where we've taken fine art as collateral for the yeah. loan. Just based on that, I've I've seen this happen in person, right? And that it feels it's like it's just inevitable on the DeFi it's NFT true. integration side. And I, I agree. There's actually also like, I think even beyond the, um, I don't know if, it, if there's a bank or a, or a protocol out there, it seems like just a really, really smart business decision to start doing this because the brand equity that some of these projects, like I see also a world of women on this, uh, on this call. And like, you know, the, the, the brand equity that world of women has like would bring so much by way of press and publicity and also just like interest from that community. If like all of a sudden somebody was like, Oh yeah, by the way, you can put your, you know, you can put your world of women up for uh, you know, collateral here. I just think that like it's just a really good business decision because pe- these communities like move towards the ways that they can utilize their you know their their the NFTs that they own. I think like you know board apes and the fact that like you own retain commercial rights is obviously one way that you know the the use cases of these NFTs emerges and evolves. But obviously like fact that maybe like world of women could act as a collateral as collateralized asset would be like really really exciting and clearly there should be protocols looking to explore this. I'm, I'm sure there are. I'm just not familiar any, with any off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not familiar with any either. And But so when the Zerion app is valuing the NFTs that are in the wallet, are y'all utilizing the, the OpenSea floor pl- price or how are y'all valuing those? 
It depends. We we use both OpenSea and Rarible, uh, depending on what the asset is and which one is more accurate. But we basically have pretty good relationships with both of their teams to uh, to make sure that information is up to date and accurate. And actually, what we're really trying to figure out right now, I can give away a little bit on our on our NFT stat roadmap. Um, we're also really, really, really trying to put rarity into this. Because like anybody who collects NFTs knows that there's like clearly a rarity multiplier that happens. Like if you have one of the the most rare, you know, the traits are the rarest. Like if you're in the top whatever thousand or or you know the way that the, the rarer your NFT is, the more valuable it is, of course. Which right now the floor pricing and even the last price doesn't do a great job of predicting. So we're really trying to explore different ways to um, you know to add rarity rankings and and rarity into the overall price or the overall value that you're seeing uh, for your NFTs. I think we're not too far away from that. And so like that's probably going to come out within the next couple of months. Our team's pretty uh, excited by that one. It's just a matter, I think, of prioritization, which is a, a, a common refrain, I think, at the Zerium team. We're, we're trying to ship fast. And so, uh, but the but the rarity, rarity concept and like having that factor into the valuation is something that's coming uh, shortly. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's it's inevitable. So there, there are a lot of Web3 wallets in the space and, and also a protocol similar to or apps similar to, to what y'all do. And, you know, we've all heard about the curve wars. But what about the wallet wars? Is that a thing? It's definitely a thing. I, I think that there's actually uh, a number of people talking. About, like, I think this is actually a term that's been used, the wallet wars. I think that maybe, maybe Rick.eth wrote about this in relation to like the browser wars recently, I think. And that was his like, you know, analog was like thinking about browsers and and, and wallets. I think that's a comparable, like a, like a good comparison, mainly because there's like a lot of people fighting even like to define what a, what a crypto wallet is. You know, there's, there's a lot of misinterpretation like like zirian currently in its current form is not a wallet but i have seen and heard people multiple times at events at conferences in in uh, demos and things like that refer to us as a wallet and so like how is it possible that you know the first step with zirian is to connect your wallet that people would then go and call us a wallet and so i think that there's currently a lot of what the wallet wars if we can call it that are about is actually even like defining what a crypto wallet should be and could be clearly there's a lot of people that are trying to go down this sort of social route where like you know adding in social features following and you know this this sort of thing i think that's clearly clearly something that we're thinking about at zirian in terms of what what the wallet become what the zirian wallet becomes but i, I think that's probably i don't know i think that's a little limiting and in, in and of itself like i think that there's a lot about like openness and interconnectability or like interconnectivity with wallets that that needs to be there like you need to be able to one of the best things about metamask that everybody knows is like oh i'm on a new dap you know like connect my metamask wallet and i can go and use this dap so like any wallet has to have that piece kind of figured out too i also made the analogy earlier talking about this like idea of like a, a you know a crypto backpack like a wallet is your crypto backpack and i think that's really sort of very important to this sort of like next wave of the wallet wars as well which is like you can't leave stuff behind like it really has to contain everything that is part of what makes you you know you in this in this web3 environment and i think that's where a lot of current wallets either struggle or or put up barriers right because like i mean even with metamask as big as they are like you have to manually add networks and tokens all the time you don't want to have to do that like you just want to be able to get going and use it 
you know, you want to be able to make sure that there's peace of mind. And like, I know I put it in my backpack, right? Like, is it there? I think most people have um, sort of had that, like, like that stress after they've done a transaction or done something, you know, that's super, super specific. But when they've executed a transaction, you know, in, in crypto, it's like, did it happen? Did I do it right? Oh my God. Why is it taking so long? What's going on? Why isn't it there? I don't see my money. It disappeared. You know, all these sort of like anxiety filled uh, moments that, that probably many of the people listening have, have experienced. And I think that wallets have to do a much better job, like of easing those kind of anxieties and I think that like, you know, just adding social features or social aspects to a wallet alone, it doesn't do a good enough job of that. There's There's got to be more there. Interconnectivity is one of them. I think, you know, the, the completeness and the idea of having all, everything accessible to you in one location is, is also really appealing. And then I think the social aspect as well, because, you know, the, part of the, the appeal of NFTs and, and this emerging world that we all are in is, is the fact that it's a lot about forging like your own identity, this new identity for yourself. It's the reason why crypto texting can be crypto texting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you should be able to like bring all of what that means under completely under your control with you at all times. And that, that to me has got to be a key piece of the you know, sort of winning the wallet wars. I don't know. You know, we're, we're still defining what that means at Syrian. And I think that's okay. But for us, it's a lot about sort of combining those three elements. I think, you know, the completeness, fact that every, you know everything is at your disposal the fact that it's it's open and then also that there's like i guess uh, some social elements added in as well yeah and i've been guilty on this call of calling zirion a wallet and you know i know that it's not but you know you look at the you look at the website and the app and it's just it's so smooth and it, it has the feel of a wallet right but I, it, does. I, it does right but I've, i'm connecting my metamask which is my actual wallet to the app but then i think maybe i don't know if you agree with this but i, I feel like a maybe a pretty good like web two or analog comparison would be like you're, I mean, you are like an aggregator of DeFi and web three, you know, applications, right? So you're kind of bringing all those to the surface, almost like Google search, right? Because, you know, you've got, you've got the deep web, which is, you know, and what Google search shows you is really just like 1% of what the internet actually is of what the web is and that's what y'all are doing y'all are kind of digging into the depths of the blockchain to bring the most legit DeFi protocols for people to interact with is that a good way to put it i think that's a really clear like and, and pretty good description the other thing i should say and this i know is going to happen with um with with the zero wallet is like we don't I don't know, like we don't need people who may create a, a wallet with Zirian to like get rid of all their other wallets, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like we don't need you to like make Zirian the only wallet that you have. The reality is that there are multiple, many reasons why someone would have many wallets and we don't really want that to go away. So like I mentioned before that you can currently track all of your wallets like in one portfolio view sort of as like one, you know, giant portfolio view. And that's going to continue to be the case when we have our Zirian wallet. It just kind of is going to act as like a, I don't know, we've talked about the term of like wallet aggregator. <laughs> it's not a particularly sexy term and I don't think you'll see it in our copy, but it's it's a good description, I think, of like what we're trying to go for, which is basically like, you know, we want you to be able to like experience this Web3 world the way you want to experience with it, experience it. And if that means that, you know, you move every asset you have into the Zirian wallet and like make that your default wallet, like fine. But otherwise, like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do that. And so like we we sort of want this experience in the way that like the wallets work, as you say, kind of is like an aggregator concept. 
so that you can basically just like make the right decisions for you and make the most intelligent decisions for 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 what you want to do. And so like I think that the 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 Google, the Google comparison is an interesting one. We we talk a lot about Google. I don't know, we've we've also sort of talked about the notion of like Xerian as a browser, right? Because you, you you in theory can access anything within this web three space and like that's kind of key to what we're trying to decide. We ultimately have shied away from that sort of terminology because we don't think it actually encompasses, you know, all of what we want to try to do. But I think that a good way to think about Xerian is like we want to try to aggregate a lot of services one place while protecting user privacy and opening up like options. We talk a lot about like exploration and, and discovery, right? Like we want we want our users to be able to explore Web3 and like really, really, really do that in an easy way while also kind of it's like choosing their own adventures. We don't want people to, to sort of have to make sacrifices or compromises where there shouldn't be. So like, you know, the way that you set up your, your crypto footprint, whether that's with 10 wallets, 100 wallets or, or one, you know, that's, that's kind of up to you and we want to enable that. So it's it's more about discovery and like exploration, I think, than like you know, defining one set of user experiences and saying that's what we're gonna do. And um, we really wanna make it like a playground, maybe is a good way to put it. Good analogy. And when y'all are looking at L2 and other side chains or just other chains in general to implement, are y'all looking solely at EVM compatible or are y'all looking outside the Ethereum universe? Currently, we have prioritized EVMs. So right now, we support uh, tracking and trading for, let's see if I can get them all right, Gnosis, Avalanche, Gnosis Chain, Avalanche, Optimism, Arbitrum, Binance, Polygon, and obviously Ethereum. But we are currently exploring a couple of non-EVM chains. So like, I don't want to give away the barn, but like, we're definitely exploring Solana and integrating Solana, which is going to be a big deal for us, I think. And I think we're we're also open to the idea. I don't know. I mean, it's not one in our roadmap, but like Tezos for the NFT side is like really interesting. You know, we're we're looking at a number of different chains, and I think that we've prioritized EVM for very important reasons. But I don't think that that's we sort of want to adapt to what the market is telling us, right? If, like, if, if there's tons and tons of users and tons and tons of volume on a specific chain, we don't want to ignore it because it's not EDM. But it's 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 been the way we've prioritized so far. And I think it was like, the right decision, but now I think we're probably opening it up a little bit. Although beyond Solana, I don't have any any hot takes. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the, the Tezos ecosystem is just kind of, you know, from an N- NFT perspective, is really just its yeah. own kind of thing. And I, I've, I've noticed that a lot more recently than, yeah, you know, I probably should have been paying attention sooner. But I also want to know, a little off topic, what other, like what protocols or projects are out there right now that you've just been kind of keeping your eye on that you think are innovative or really interesting? My interests lately have been very NFT focused. <laughs> I don't know. I've been like, it kind of like got sucked back into that the, the the thing that brought me here in the first place. There are a number of different NFT projects that are emerging. Like I almost like I would call them like in this um in like the mystical realm. So like obviously CryptoCoven is is when I say that like the, probably the one that people people you know think about the first. There's this really awesome NFT project that I've been interacting with called the the Well Collective, which is uh, it hasn't even released the, the NFTs yet, but they're they're going to shortly. The minting is shortly, and basically it's like tarot cards so like i I wouldn't consider myself like a particularly like superstitious or spiritual person but like the the kind of like story the founder um who's a who's a pretty famous artist the the art that they've been working on in general i think it's just really really cool and i love the idea of like 
thinking about like wild out the bo- out of the box, um, you know, NFT use cases and like figuring out how that can be applied in like the digital and like blockchain kind of environment. Um, so, so, so that the well collective is a pretty interesting one. You can, you can check it out. Uh, I, I really like what they're working on, um, on the, on the like protocol side of things. I have been really interested, maybe it's cool. So I'm Paris based and maybe it's because these guys are French, but the angle protocol, I don't know if you've heard about these guys. They're still a little under the radar, I feel like, but I don't know. Maybe their discord is like active enough that like, they're not even, uh, I'm not like breaking any alpha to you all. But I think that like angle protocol is basically state, they're trying to do like stable coins, but like linked to the Euro to like oversimplify what they're working on. And the, I think that they're a pretty cool, they're really trying to do a lot around this like over collateral collateralization as well, which I think is increasingly something that that you know people are caring about. Angle is pretty cool. I like them, uh, and the the team is really strong. Uh, I'd encourage people to at least check out what they're working on the uh, on the on the on their project. I guess like just one one really really quick NFT one that I can shout out one more time is the guys at or the people at Catalog, the music NFT like kind of like auction house for lack of a better term but basically like musicians post their songs or like you know publish their songs as nfts and then like people bid on them and can can buy them and in the meantime you can listen to all the artists sort of like i guess in the in the short term they're pretty expensive but i've been trying to gear up to actually buy my first music nft because I, I think i mentioned before that i just like really think that like the idea of like really rewarding a creator who's like put put a lot into you know a specific work of art or in this case music it's just like really like I love that concept. You know, on catalog, one of the things they can do really well is um, like the, the the artists will like write a lot about like what they were thinking about when they were creating this piece of music or like what was inspiring them or all this kind of stuff. And you you get like a sense that like you're almost having like a real conversation with an artist, which is which is really fantastic. Uh, you know, kind of in this in this age of like endless streaming on on Spotify and other things. I want to I don't want to pick on Spotify because it's a great product, but but I think that I really enjoy the fact that, you know, with, with catalog, I can like feel like I'm developing a relationship with these, with these artists, even if I'm not, you know, buying them yet. Yeah, it really does kind of create like a more personal relationship between the listener and the artist, which I think is, is very unique to, to this space right now. And yeah, I always just like yeah. to give, you know, the guests a chance to shill just some kind of random projects that they've been <sighs> looking at, because there's always so much going on in the space, it's impossible to keep track. So just hearing about the uh, you know, Angle Protocol, I've never heard of that. So I'll definitely be looking into that one. I'll send you the the, the link to their Discord. They're, they're, they're pretty, like, I think that they've got some some people behind it who are like pretty big deal deal people. <laughs> Big, big deal people uh, which is which is good always when you're looking at a protocol or like a project in general but it's not the only criteria i don't know i'll think about some more maybe that, that seem exciting yeah. i i also i should say you know just to shout out uh one it's not really a project it's a community i don't know if people know lito cohen but he leads a project called crypto testers which is a website it's a discord channel it's a basically a media platform and their whole goal is to like educate people about DeFi and web3 and crypto he does a fantastic job of creating content or it's not just him but the whole community does a great job of creating content to sort of educate and i, I very much believe that we're still at the stage where especially if we believe that most of us or like a lot of us are advanced beginners, as I, I think I mentioned before, you know, it's, it's like finding high quality, good content that t- for free that teaches you how to do and how to think about all this stuff is, is still kind of challenging. And the crypto testers team does a great job. So I just want to shout them out too. That sounds like one definitely worth checking out as well. Well, Alexander, uh, we're up on time. So I'll just, you um, know, kind of let you say, where can people go 
to find out more about you and Zerion? I'm pretty active on Twitter. You can find me at uh, AlexanderGuy19, G-U-Y, and then just the number 19. Uh, happy to interact. Send me a DM. I'd be happy to chat and answer any questions. Zerion, uh, I really want to encourage you to head to app.zerion.io. You can connect your wallet, or in fact, if you don't want to connect your wallet right away, you can connect any wallet or ENS address that you know, and you can start watching um, you know, some whales and see what they're buying. So head to app.zerion.io and uh, yeah, connect your wallet and, and get started. Well, Alexander, this has been great. I'm a big fan awesome. of Zerion. And when I when I first, just one more side note, uh, the first time I connected my wallet to Zerion, I discovered a an LP position that I just completely forgot about. So that was a nice uh, little surprising two grand that I found. So appreciate the protocol. It's, it's actually, uh, I don't want to extend the conversation at all, oh, but sure. it's actually a pretty common use, like a common story. We're like, oh yeah, people, t- I connected my Zerion wallet and I, or my wallet to Zerion and I, immediately saw all this money that i had it's i think another drawback of our uh, some of the other wallets out there but it's not an uncommon story so i'm glad you uh i'm glad you found uh you know, it's like a, a the the digital equivalent of like a finding a 20 dollar bill in your pants or something like that uh, yeah that's that's pretty much it yeah exactly <laughs> all right yeah well this has been great thanks to everyone in the audience yeah. who's listening live Alexander, thanks for coming on the show. This is being recorded, and so we'll get this mixed and then sent out here in about a week. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it, Alexander. Have a good one. Bye-bye.